Hello and welcome to Nobody's Perfect, a place to acknowledge that we all make mistakes, but the key, of course, is to figure out how to learn from them, whether they be your own or others. For LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Career advancement is often seen as one of the most important aspects employees list in terms of their jobs, and various studies show that two-thirds believe their manager plays a significant role in their progression within a company. However, fewer than half of those believe their manager did enough to help them, and even worse, one-fifth thought they were actually misled altogether. Hence, we're taking a look at the idea of management impedance, both intentional and accidental. And to give us some perspective on it, we have Kim Rule joining us. Kim is the president of Inventive Talent Consulting. Kim, thanks for your time today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, when we talk about this idea, you know, we're looking at employee management relation type thing. What, what's your experience in terms of dealing with this and, and consulting maybe in these areas? Well, I've been in the HR and talent management uh, field for about 30 years, so I have a lot of experience both um, as an internal practitioner, an HR manager and director, but I also had my own business for 10 years, and I had up to 24 employees. So I've seen this from a number of perspectives, both being an employee, uh, being the boss, and being an HR supporting managers and employees. Well, obviously, one of, the, one of the reasons we did come to you in, in that side of it, that you, you have these different angles and obviously a lot of experience. So... When someone does join a company, why really should there be a, you know, a discussion on the potential progression that someone could take within the company? Probably the, the most important reason is uh, to set uh, expectations in terms of how you're going to be successful in this organization. So setting expectations and those expectations would uh, hopefully deal with things like how does the organization differentiate talent because, uh, Tim, it's really not fair to treat people equally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, equal treatment is not fair treatment and uh, different employees have different needs in terms of career advancement, developmental opportunities, uh, different types of employees are engaged differently, they should be compensated differently. Mm And uh, so I think uh, setting expectations about that and also to prevent a sense of entitlement. So maybe I could give you uh, a little a blurb that a senior executive might, might give to new employees on their first day in the job. So this is a new employee orientation. Imagine if, if the senior executive said to the employees, welcome to our organization. We're so glad to have you here. You're here because you're going to add great value to this organization. We don't have people on our payroll who don't add value. That said, we all know that you don't, aren't going to add equal value. You have different capabilities. You have different motivations. And, and frankly, we are going to recognize that and we're going to uh, apply uh, different ways to work with you to advance your career and to optimize your contribution to the organization. So you're going to have a great career here. You will all have opportunities to learn and grow and develop and advance. Some of you will have opportunities that others don't have. And so, you know, saying something like that or communicating that kind of a message, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really uh, pretty important. And I don't think employees are likely to get up and walk out of the room if they hear that message, you know, on the first day of the job. Yeah, I would hope <laughs> not. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's a good point you brought up really early on there, the idea of, of fair versus equal, that sort of thing. It's, that's often a discussion that gets tossed around, uh, not just here, but probably uh, across workplaces, uh, you know, across the country. When we look at it from uh, the manager's point of view, specifically their, sort of their responsibilities, I mean, do you see them as having certain responsibilities in terms of employee development and progression? And, you know, I'm thinking more along the lines of you're a manager and you have sort of a, a group of employees that maybe work on a team that you're overseeing. Mm-hmm. Are there responsibilities that you would point to that, that should factor into their advancement or progression? 
Well, I think the immediate manager, immediate boss, is the pri- they have the primary responsibility for uh, helping people be successful. And that means not only in their current job, but also looking towards the future and advancing in their career. So I, I think if you think about what, what's the primary, how do we learn and grow for, uh, to begin with? Well, we need feedback. And mm. every manager need, uh, understands that I, they need to give feedback. Most of them don't do it well. Uh, even though it's not an issue of not wanting to or not knowing how to uh, generally, um, but managers tend to be time-strapped. Many, many managers are are not just coaches; they're coach, they're player coaches. You know, so they right. have they have a lot of stuff they have to do as well, and so it becomes a time management issue, a prioritization issue. But I think giving employees uh, direct feedback on on their performance feedback on their development, on how they're proceeding in their their development. And I think also a primary job of management is to provide consequences. Hmm. um, And and that's that's what sustains learning. And so if you want to advance, you have to obtain new behaviors and new capabilities. So managers are really primarily responsible for doing that with employees. Uh, Certainly setting expectations, communicating how careers are developed in the organization. Those are all things that managers do. And by the way, Managers, the research would show that managers are the most accurate evaluators of a person's performance and the, most, and the ones that are um, most likely able to give accurate feedback. Sure. So it's very, man, the manager's role is extremely important. You can't, you can't overemphasize it, really. When we looked at this, you know, we're kind of starting off talking about those responsibilities and, and what the ideal situation is. Um, there's also the, the issue or the concern of, of the idea of management impedance. And again, it's not to say that it's always intentional. You mentioned things like time um, playing a factor in, in other things. But I right. guess what, what are some – can you point to some specific areas or instances where a manager or a company in some way does block an employee from progressing or developing or, or even moving up in some facet in the company? Sure. I, I think uh, that usually uh, blocking a career advancement is not an intentional or an insidious thing. Mm-hmm. Although there is some of that that, that uh, happens when a manager wants to hoard talent. So in other words, if I'm a, a manager and you're my employee and you're my, my standout, standout employee, right. I just don't want to lose you. So <laughs> I, I kind of keep you under, under a bushel, so to speak, you know? Uh, so... so um, I mean, that, that is insidious, and I think uh, that does happen. I, I don't think managers give it much thought. They're, what they're thinking about is, I just need this person on my team. I mm-hmm. can't afford to lose Tim. I mean, he, I, he's the last person. And so their motives probably aren't bad, but it has a very insidious effect, the, the, not only for the employee, but for the organization at large. And when multiple managers in an organization are hoarding talent, you're going to have major problems. So that does happen. But I think more often, it's not really intentional. And so a couple things happen. One is you get blockers in what I call blockers in key developmental roles. And that's really happening now because of the economy. We've got kind of a gray ceiling in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of baby boomers, people in my generation, haven't, haven't taken, moved into retirement as quickly as they'd anticipated. And so organizations don't do a very good job of moving people out of key roles. And there are many roles, in, in, uh, especially in large organizations, that are primary vehicles for developing key competencies and getting key co- uh, exposures to the business. And if you have somebody in that role for 10 years, you, you have just deprived four people hmm. of key developmental opportunities. And I think 
some organizations, uh, I would say, in my experience of consulting with many organizations, most organizations don't know how to deal with that. They, they kind of know it's an issue. They know it affects employee engagement. You've got frustrated employees because they can't advance, at least vertically, and they don't know what to do about it. But I can tell you that if you don't make the hard decisions and identify those key roles and then move people out after two to three years mm-hmm. so you can get someone else in and, and use those uh, opportunities. Because we learn what we need for success primarily by doing jobs. And so if you're not moving people through key jobs, you're not developing your people. The other side of this is that you know, as an employee, you may feel that, again, in some way you're being blocked or hindered, you know, however you want to phrase it. Are there certain steps that you would suggest to to that employee who thinks, man, I've been in this position forever. I feel I've I've taken all the steps and I, I've done all the things that you know should allow me to to move into a, a new position or a sure. new status. I mean, are there are there ways you can do that without you know you don't want to cause sure. any any ruffles or anything like that with uh, within the organization, right? Right. Well, I I guess the first thing is your mindset. Here's my thought: if I'm a manager. I should feel like it's my primary responsibility to develop my people. Hmm. As an employee, I should feel it's my primary responsibility to manage my career and and develop myself. So when you have that kind of attitude from both management and employees, that's the ideal situation. I can't necessarily create a mindset for my boss, but I can uh, deal with myself. So I think the first thing is give the right frame of mind that – it's my responsibility to uh, advance in my career, and I own my career. That said, it's true that you can have uh, limited opportunities for vertical advancement. So here's what I would suggest is don't keep knocking on the door of HR or your boss asking for a promotion. Forget about promotion because you don't have to have a promotion to learn and advance and to prepare yourself for you know a eventual uh, vertical move, lateral moves, job enrichments, and those kinds of things. I think you should seek out, and uh, your employer is more like is much more likely to be open to that and actually would say, oh, that's, that's, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. We can enrich your job because you're asking for more responsibilities and you're showing motivation, career, career motivation, and you're willing to take on more responsibilities. So although you can't necessarily view this as a promotion, you're going to get more responsibilities. You're going to learn and grow. You can also ask for a lateral move. And employees should not see those lateral moves as negative, especially if they're desire is to grow into a general manager kind of a role or a generalist role. If you want to be a general manager, you need to have your, your career, t- career typically will take, will have many lateral moves in it. And, and so those might be easier to get than a vertical move. And you bring up a good point there, and it's something we've heard here and there at some of the other shows we've done, the idea of, of moving laterally because there isn't necessarily the same amount of, you know, upward hierarchy type movement in a lot of organizations now. So um, Uh I think it's good to hear someone like you say, look, it's not a negative thing to move laterally. It's it's only going to help you, you know, even maybe down the road you do move up, but it's going to help you now. When we look at when it does occur, when we talk about managers that, again, for whatever reason, they impede the progress of, of their employees, what sort of negative impact does that have on a company if it does continue to happen or if there are multiple instances where this is going on because I would I would think that over time that's really going to have a, a negative sort of effect on everything. Yeah, it's abs- it's actually a huge uh, effect long term on an organization because um, what happens is it prevents an organization from building a robust talent pipeline mm. and uh, having a strong bench 
of people that can move into more senior positions. Uh, again, the primary way to develop people is by putting them into jobs that matter and to teach them skills that they don't have uh, and, and that stretch them. So it's not developmental for me to, to go into a role that I, that's going to be a walk in the park for me. I mean, if I look at it, if I have a choice between two jobs, and one is a job I know I can, I'll be very successful in because I've done that before, and another job where there's a 50% chance that I'm going to fail, mm. and I don't want to do it, and I don't like it, and if I screw up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be in trouble. Well, guess what? Those are the very things that make a job more powerful in terms of development. So the most po powerful job you can have to develop is a job like nothing you've ever done before, hmm. a job that you, don't, you think you're not going to like, that, that the thought of it does, just makes you cringe, <laughs> and that if you screw up, you're in big trouble. And if you find yourself in a job like that, I can tell you it won't be comfortable while you're in that job for the two or three or four years you're in that job. But looking back on your career, you'll identify that as a turning point typically. I mean, when we interview senior executives and we ask them to look back on their career – they invariably cite one or more experiences like that where they had this job and they absolutely hated it. Uh, but they, they will tell you, if I hadn't had that job, it never would have prepared me to do this other job, which prepared me to do something else. Mm. And so I think that's a, a, an important role of management as well. And I don't, I don't think too many managers, line managers and line executives are well equipped to uh, really speak to those kind of talent issues. But if you have a savvy talent management and HR function, hopefully they're educating the line managers and, there's, and you're creating some sophistication around that. So you can, you can, create, you can prevent a sense of entitlement. Uh, you can establish a true meritocracy. You can keep people engaged in advancing in their career in the right way. And I think with that, you, know, you touched on the positive sides of that also. So when we look to try to maybe figure out what, what are the aspects of this you know, manager-employee relationship, and you, you talked a little bit about you know, just the, the feedback side of it and, and maybe uh, mm -hmm. in a way challenging your employees to grow, to develop. But what other aspects would you point to in terms of the relationship between uh, manager and employee to help develop and advance? Because you know some of the things you talked about, I'm sure you know a lot of people listening have gone through or thought about themselves. So yeah. where where can you help managers and employees connect where it's not necessarily a worried about your job or the manager worried about losing talent kind of thing? Well, the most important thing is that uh, managers and their employees have frequent, meaningful conversations, mm. uh, and that's that's really the crux of the the relationship. And actually, I mean that's any relationship, right? I mean, if you wanted to. True. To try to diagnose, uh, say, let's, let's assess a family to see if it's a functional family or not. If you could be on a fly on the wall during their dinner time conversation and watch how they speak to each other and the nature of their conversations, that would give you huge insight into whether or not this family unit is a functional family or it's dysfunctional. And if we could listen in on the conversations between managers and employees, we would find the same thing. Uh, some managers are very naturally very personable, they're approachable, they're friendly, they're outgoing, um, and so forth. But they struggle when it, ha it comes time to give, uh, to have a difficult conversation. For whatever reason, it's a difficult conversation. And so there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one is they may lack, actually lack the language to talk about 
performance issues. I mean, it's just a tough, it's tough because they don't really know, they don't really have the words for it. Right. It's kind of like the parent who, who doesn't, who doesn't have the sex talk with uh, <laughs> their teenager because they don't have, they, they're just not comfortable. They don't have the vocabulary for it. So that can be an issue. Um, but I think usually there's a lot more involved. And, and actually, I believe it comes down many times to ego. Uh, mm. It's very interesting to me that managers more often than not find it easier to have a hard, hard conversation with a peer or their boss than with their direct report. It, it, that, 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 that kind of, it doesn't seem intuitively obvious that it would be that way, but, right. uh, but actually if you look at those relationships, managers usually um, would rather go to the dentist and have a root canal than have a tough conversation with an, their employee. And part of that is that as the, I mean, this is my belief, as, as their boss they feel like it's important, it's essential to protect a certain image of the boss and their ego kind of gets in the way and the conversation becomes more about them than it does about the performance issue or mm -hmm. the employee. And so um, just like I, I think a good parent, uh, a good teacher, a good, you know, anybody in relationships, you're, you're more effective if you lose your ego and you make it about the other person, and you make it about the issue, then you can just kind of let go of all those concerns, whatever's holding you up and making you tense about having a conversation. Because it's not about you. It's, it's about the employee. It's about how, the business. It's about the performance problem. It's about whatever the issue is. Uh, so managers need help usually with that. They need fe feedback and coaching themselves. They need to practice that. They need to, they need to, be, to get feedback on doing that. Uh, so I think that's a big part of management development is knowing how to have those kinds of conversations with employees. Right. And that ego uh, take on it, I think that's probably a good show overall to, to handle because, you know, we all have egos to some extent. It probably does hold us back in most cases as you sort of brought up there. Right. But now, when we talk about maybe some steps then in terms of, of helping a company get the most out of everybody really, but especially in terms of development and, and maybe it's promotion or these lateral moves, I mean, are there any key points that you would you mentioned? You know, earlier you talked about not really knowing what to do with this employee that's been there for three, four years, and they let them just sit in that position. I mean, are there actual steps we could point to? I mean, I know it's specific to each environment, but do you have right. any sort of like any guidelines to help out? And you know, just some of the listeners who are, are paying attention here. Sure, and I think what I would speak to would be more the kinds of strategic things that the HR and talent management function needs to address in an organization. It starts there, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll tell you, Tim, that the, the most effective organizations at leveraging their talent aren't necessarily the ones with the strongest HR organizations. They're the ones with the most savvy line managers. But HR tends to be the educators of the line managers. So, so it probably starts with HR and, and being strategic so that we can understand where the business is going and then create a talent management strategy that addresses that. And so to do that, you need to know um, what are the competencies, capabilities, what do we need in our workforce now and in the future? And then what do we have in terms of our talent inventory. So it's kind of like two sides of the equation. You mm -hmm. know, what, what do we need for talent? And then what do we have for talent? Right. And then creating a plan to mitigate uh, the gap between those things. And primarily you do that by um, having a robust succession and development program that ties learning and development with succession planning. And then the other thing that, that really, I think, 
hits on all the stuff we've been talking about is performance management. Performance management is kind of the formalized process of giving feedback and evaluating employees. And if I wanted to assess a company's culture and their relationships and levels of employee engagement and a whole lot of things, and I had one hour, I'd spend that hour uh, talking to employees about how performance management is conducted in an organization. <laughs> because if, if it's not, if performance management isn't primarily about meaningful conversations, then what's the point of it? Sure. And if, it, if they're doing it that way, then they're probably engaging people both in career discussions, but also in the in the performance discussions, that causes learning to occur and making pe- that make people ready to be able to take on greater responsibilities. Well, that point you touch on there about the performance management it's, sort of leads into this other part that I was going to ask you about. Um, in the recent study that I, I sort of noted in the beginning, I was talking about some of those numbers on what people mm-hmm. felt of managers. Sure. There, there was a list of four areas of career progression, and I just wanted to sort of lay them out there. And, and if you could give a you know, a one to four rate to them or a percentage on, on importance, um, you know, in, in terms of this pr- progression idea, because I think this sort of plays into the, uh, you know, performance management, but on a, a daily scale, as a lot of these talk about, but um, the four that were listed were uh, an agreed upon development in goals, day-to-day management support, training courses, and regular career reviews. Now, are, do any of those stand out? Do they jump out? Any of those make sense yeah. to you? I, mean, I guess what's yeah. sort of your take on, on those? Okay, well, uh, two of them stands out, one for being extremely important and one for being much less important. Okay. Uh, the, the day-to-day management support, yeah. if you consider having frequent, meaningful, day-to-day, meaningful conversations, that's far and away the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that by far is um, training courses – are probably the least really? uh, important. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to say that they're n- they don't add value, but the real value is in doing a job and getting feedback and coaching, so having clear expectations set. Um, that's where we learn most of what what we need for success. We don't learn it in a course, right? And and we know that because we've looked at we've looked at the careers of successful and less successful people. We've analyzed this, and we we really know uh, pretty well how people learn and what they need to learn to be successful. And I can tell you most of that's done by doing a job. So uh, the agreed upon development goals, I think... It seems tricky in there because as an individual, you might have different ideas than what, you know, the manager thinks is important for the team or the company. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think it's valuable to share your development goals with your boss. I think it's valuable for a boss to to make suggestions to an employee about things to develop on. Having agreed upon development goals, I tell you, I don't I'm not a proponent of having of a uh having a compliance issue or related to individual development mm-hmm. plans. And some organizations they say, you know, they actually have a metric that everybody's got to have a development plan every year and do all this stuff. Right. And then HR turns into the kind of the performance management or <laughs> compliance police. And the development plans done in that situation are meaningless. Uh, they, they, they don't mean anything. So I think, I, I can tell you this, the employees that, that are really have um, a high degree of career ambition and that are bright, motivated, um, they, will, they will drive their own career and they don't need to, they don't need to get, have anybody agree about their development goals. They will probably share them and they will be more successful if they do share them. So it's not that I don't think it's not a good idea. I just don't think it's that as essential as maybe some people think it is. Uh, regular career reviews, again, um, I, 
I like to see that uh, once a year that you have a formal sit down a career review mm. uh, with an employee. I think it's very important if you're thinking about if you're identifying, for instance, a high potential employee or fast track employee, and you're going to single them out. And remember, we said equal treatment isn't fair, so we're going to differentiate this employee and give them some developmental opportunities that are kind of special. Before you do that. You should have a career conversation with that employee to gauge their level of motivation and and to make sure they're clear on what's expected of them if they if they go into that developmental program. So I think that's those are t- key times to have uh, career conversations. Well, you know, we're running a little on time, but I definitely wanted to. You know, we talked about a lot of different areas, and I, you've given us some great insight with with some of the you know specifics as much as we can because we're we're talking to a broad audience. Sure. If you're speaking to a large group of individuals here that are, are interested in this subject, managers, employers, even employees to, you know, uh, many of these extents, what would just be your overall key points, pieces of advice that you could give to managers, especially though, in terms of employee growth and advancement to ensure that there is this continuous, you know, talent pipeline, as you talked about, and, and not impeding anyone from helping themselves or really helping the organization? So I, I think it varies in terms of the audience you're talking about. I think I think for employees, um, it's make sure you have some credibility in your career and you've identified the uh, skills and competencies that are important for the future. So find a coach, a mentor, someone to to talk to about that and to share your uh, career goals with them and get some ideas about what's really important for me to develop. Um, most people lack self-awareness, especially with their weaknesses. And so if you can find somebody that you trust and you drop all your defense scripts and you open yourself up to get feedback, for, from an employee standpoint, that's what's really important, right? Is And in fact, the 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 title is show nobody's perfect. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to recognize that and to, to uh, seek out uh, help from a mentor. Uh, I, ideally, your boss is going to have a big part to play in that, but I think wh- whoever it can come from. Uh, for a manager, uh, it, it's no different. So if you want to get good at anything, look at other people who do it well hmm. and study what they do. And hopefully you've got an HR department and staff that is, is really savvy that can, that can help you with this. But I, I tell you, a lot of managers, it's just intuitively obvious. Um, they, they intuitively get talent. They know how to spot it. They know how to engage it. They know how to develop it. They know how to deploy it. And it's kind of intuitive for them. And so some people find it very natural and they're, they're really masters at developing talent. And almost every organization of any size, you know, large organizations, medium-sized organizations have people like that. Mm-hmm. So as a manager, find those people and, and look at what they do and talk to them. That's what I would suggest. Well, unfortunately, we'll need to wrap things up here on Nobody's Perfect, but uh, our guest has been Kim Rule, the president of Inventive Talent Consulting. He's been helping us gain uh, some insight and perspective into the area of, again, we're looking at it from the mistake point of view, so we're talking about management impedance, but really giving some ideas and advice on uh, how to improve the process in terms of progression and development. Um, So, Kim, we definitely appreciate it. Where can people learn more about you and your organization? My website is www.inventivetalent.com. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I know you've had a busy schedule, so we do appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. And of course, a thank you to our listeners as well. Remember, if you do have any comments or suggestions, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step.